Hey, so welcome back to episode 2 with my friend Obinondon Basu. If you haven't checked out part 1 yet, I highly recommend you do. Well, at the risk of sounding repetitive, this is the guy who's been called one of the most hundred relevant tattoo artists in the entire world. You heard me right, by Yale University. Um, and the issues we address in this episode are extremely relevant. I am HO. We talk about the kind of codependency an internal stigma that enables the divide and conquer and colonial cultural appropriation going around in today's world. How both of us are kind of on the fence with regards to the same and also address Ovidandan's work uh, and more intricate aspects to it. Also, just for some context, this episode was recorded before the second lockdown in Europe uh, was implemented, first week of November. So, yeah, uh, if you'll please take that into account as well. All right, here we go. Hello, fellow beings. Welcome to Tapasya Loading, a safe space to attempt honest, raw and authentic conversation in homage to the ancient act of stoking a sacred fire. This episode's brought to you by everynowheremusic.com. Yep, you got that right. That's yours truly. So if this is an endeavor you'd like to support, please come and sign up for my newsletter at everynowheremusic.com. Every nowhere or every now here, depending on whichever way you prefer to look at it. Right. I'm trying to figure out... The best way to tell your story from here to how you landed up here in Europe, in Mannheim, in Germany. When did your work start getting international? When did the first international projects start? Mm, I think it started with uh, mm, some international magazines huh. started, started covering my work started like publishing some of my work right and uh, and why that happened was because um, how they find out about you yeah so because i i was trying i was doing work at that point of time which was pretty fresh you know in terms of technique and also designing it was pretty new tell us more about that well so i had i was traveling a lot right i mean i I only have a studio for the last one year, so I've pretty much traveled most of my career, pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So I was traveling a lot, and uh, one of the places I should visit often was Nepal. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people who do not know that Nepal has one of a very, very, very thriving tattoo culture, really good artists, but they also have uh, a very good tattoo convention, one of probably one of the best in Southeast Asia. Right. So I used to be I used to visit that uh, every year, and uh, a lot of very very acclaimed and really capable artists from all over the world visit the convention, and I got exposed to like really high level of tattooing at that convention. If I may interrupt you for a second, because even between yeah. between the time where your work isn't really ca- covering your taxi fares. Mm-hmm. till the time where you managed to start going to an international convention, even if it's Nepal and next door, what happened mm-hmm. in between? I feel like there is, what happened in between? How did you even get to that point where that was a, real, a reality, where you could travel with your work? Right, yeah. Okay, so 
I, I started tattooing in Calcutta, but I was in Calcutta for maybe a year, okay. like a year, year, year and a half, maybe. Yeah. And then I moved to uh, Mumbai. Mm-hmm. I got a job offer from, uh, again, a hair salon, which also has like a part of it is also like a tattoo studio. Ah. But a very reputed hair salon. So like a proper so, employment thing. Yeah, it was like a proper employment thing and there was a contract and everything. Sweet. Yeah. And uh, so I moved to Bombay, uh, Mumbai. and uh, Still Bombay for me, yeah. by the way, FYI, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I moved there and uh, this uh, hair salon was also a place that was uh, visited by a lot of these, um, a lot of Bollywood actors and cricketers. It was a pretty well-known spot. Right. Okay. So I started tattooing a lot of them as uh, many of these Bollywood actors and cricketers and singers and stuff like that. Can we name a few or is that taboo? Mm. Okay, probably not. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I hear. No, I respect that. I respect, which yeah. is why I asked. I wasn't probing. Yeah. I was just yeah. about curious. If, no, I respect that completely. Please, yeah. please. Uh, so... Yeah, so I was getting kind of noticed anyway in India, right? In, mm-hmm. the, in the Indian tattoo tattoo scene, whatever little was there at that point of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, then I, I did that for like a year and a half again. And from there, I moved to Goa for a season. Sweet. Uh, yeah, so in, in Goa, because there were a lot more tourists and also there was a lot more work happening, so I got, I was in a street shop. It was a new shop that a guy had opened and he did not really know how to tattoo, but he had, he opened a tattoo shop. So, so I was there and I had a lot of work mm-hmm. to do. So that I got technically very good because it was a busy shop. So I would end up doing like three, four tattoos every day. All the practice. All the practice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that really helped me progress, you know, and it, slowly my work was getting noticed, uh, in India and also maybe in Nepal, and uh, there was some con- there was a convention that happened in India, the first tattoo convention ever. Uh, I participated in it and won an award. So all of these things were happening all the time uh, at that point of time. And then which, I started traveling. Which year was this? Around about which era? Um, that is um, the first tattoo convention. I have to look it up. I'm not really sure, but. No, the time you uh, were working in Goa. I would say to hmm, 2011, 12, I think. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. I would say around 11, 12. Gotcha. But these dates are not, I'm not really sure what these days because I have to sit in front of my <laughs> no, computer. No, that's cool. No, that's cool. No, 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 no. sorry. I, like I also I'm, didn't mean to be too pokey. I'm just trying to get a rough estimate of a timeline, that's all. Yeah, yeah. So I had made a little bit of, I've saved a little bit of money by then, you know, So because I was working for, especially because of Goa. Mm-hmm. And so that that way I could fund my travels after that. And that is when I started going to Nepal after that. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that really, it was, it was my travels to Nepal that really opened up my eyes towards the artistic possibility in tattooing. Because before that, I was mainly doing, you know, run-of-the-mill tattoos, basically seeing what other people were doing in, in Western countries and trying to replicate it to the best of my ability. Uh, 
there was no like there was not an artistic journey that i was on it was more like a technical thing i wanted to be technically good mm-hmm. but it was uh, when i once started traveling to nepal that is when i realized that there there's a huge uh opportunity to um uh, explore this method artistically there was a you know a lot of opportunity for artistic uh, exploration in tattooing because i saw i saw a lot of people doing incredible work that i had never seen before what was that feeling like you know because uh, because india is a huge country and even w- within a country in spite of everything there's there's a lot happening but then to go to your first international convention and discover this entire other universe and all these other people from very different parts of the world uh would you say it was a meaningful impact a meaningful event in your life that first international convention yeah it was very humbling yeah it was uh, yeah super humbling but it it's also because i got a lot of encouragement from the these artists beautiful it's really yeah they really i don't know what they saw in me i but a lot of them uh i'm still in touch with a lot of them um, i i work with them uh sometimes now awesome uh yeah so um yeah they were very they they were very encouraging they saw some of my work and uh yeah and that that really helped me you know they some of them gave me tips on how to improve some things uh, they gave me some of them gave me technical tips and uh, one of them particularly costas from greece he's the one who introduced me to dot work which kind of changed my whole approach to tattooing from then on it was completely different it was costas who gave me who showed me that hmm. and that happened in nepal so beautiful what happened then Yeah so once i was exposed to this kind of work i it obviously had an, had an impact on my work and uh, and a lot of these publications in europe mainly uh, took notice of that okay. because it was like it was pretty fresh you know it was okay. it looked pretty new and it was coming out of india and and no one i mean india wasn't really known for like tattooing as a tattoo destination at that point in time so which is ironic yeah it is uh, if if you consider the amount of uh, the tribal tattoo history we have do you think yeah. this might be a good time to get into that like the the division between uh, like urban indian society and the stigma of that tattooing faced for a long time and the stark contradiction of the same with the fact that its culture actually has a tradition of tattooing yeah we could we could definitely get into that yeah i mean Tell us more about that. Why do you think this happened? Uh, to start off with, how old are Indian tattooing traditions? Well, Indian tattooing traditions are uh, varied. Like India has probably the most diverse tattoo, like tribal tattoo history in the world. Right. That's that's yeah. that's one thing a lot of people should know about and probably don't. See, even I didn't actually know that officially. So thanks for that. And secondly, if we counted India for what it is now as a country, I know it's actually a controversial topic, anyways. But if we take India like that geographical region now for what it is, mm. and include all of its tattooing cultures um, uh, within the same, how mm-hmm. how many how many generations are we looking at here? 
uh, this is an impossible thing to answer because some, sometimes, I mean, some of those, these uh, tattoo traditions date back like centuries old. No, no one has right. any idea how old these are. Right. So pretty much for all we know from the very beginning of time. From the very beginning of time, right. like uh, the Naga headhunting tattoos, right? Uh, very extensively tattooed people, and uh, this has been going on for since the beginning of the tribe, which is, I mean, who knows when they, when, when it started, really? Okay, it's very very old. And yet, the dichotomy is in urban Indian society, like if you know India is a republic, tattooing has been has faced a lot of stigma. And a lot of, uh, you know, for the longest time, you know, uh, even while growing up, even my parents thought tattooing is something only dodgy people had done to themselves. So where, where's, where's the source of this divide? I think it's rooted in caste, in the caste system. Ah. I think uh, it is rooted in uh, our deep discrimination, caste-based caste discrimination it's also based in uh, the way we have uh, systematically mistreated uh, the tribals of india okay uh, tribal people of india and because because this kind of tattooing belongs to them uh, you would uh, the traditional tribal tattooing of india belongs to the tribes and uh, often the newer generations of these tribes or of 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 this caste they don't want to be marked. They don't want to be discriminated against by the upper caste or by the mainland mainlanders, as we call them. Gotcha. So they don't want to get tattooed anymore, and that that's that's the reason why a lot of these uh, traditions uh, are lost or are on the verge of, uh, you know, getting uh, lost. So the bitter irony of it all is the demographic out there who think tattooing, you know, the whole tattooing culture in India is the byproduct of uh, questionable Western society, don't realize that it's actually exactly the opposite. It's actually reclaiming of what used to be ancestral Indian culture. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, a lot of it is, yeah. Especially the the tribal tattooing, for sure. Right. For sure. If, you're, if the tribal tattooing is a form of reclaiming, but it also it is also a form of reclaiming their the pride, yes. you know, because that is what is hurt, right? Exactly. If, you're, if if you're being discriminated against by the virtue of your of of your surname or your name or the color of your skin or the the place where you were born at, uh, then uh, that needs to change, you know. And uh, by uh, by reclaiming these designs, uh, I think that could be a very uh, a small but a significant step towards that you know i agree it was very interesting for me like the idea of getting tattooed you know had deep roots in connecting to my ancestry yeah and it was very much inspired by a lot of my south american friends who have a similar tradition you know to connecting to their you know in certain south american cultures it's it's part of like a rite of passage where you do it mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. Uh, i and it i investigated and figured out it's something that's been a tradition in india as well you know using tattooing as a rite of passage to celebrate certain phases in your life or signify them or the same so it was very interesting and by the time i started got my first tattoo i'd been living in europe for uh oh, 15 years and everything and to 
see the way my parents reacted to it in the beginning. I mean, they're cool now, and you know, I mean, they, they love it now. Mm. In the beginning, it was it was some serious cognitive dissonance happening here. So, like, hang on, you know, I'm doing this to celebrate you and the ones before you. How are mm. you thinking that I'm doing this? And how do you? Why are you? And you and seeing them look at it as a push, potential insult to where I come from was it was a pretty crazy experience. Um, a lot of it is also conditioning, right? Pretty much all. I of mean, it is. all of it, all of it is. Pretty yeah, much all of it is. Uh, to be fair, I mean, my, my parents both being doctors and my dad being uh, on the board of some board of uh, you know HIV special uh, HIV and. Um, um, What's the other disease? Hepatitis. Uh, yeah, thank you, hepatitis. Wow, <laughs> I think my therapy is finally working that I managed to forget all these n- names of diseases I uh, grew up <laughs> listening to. Um, so hepatitis and HIV, those are some of the things my dad's always specialized in all his life. So for him mm. to have his son tattooed, because, you know, there's a demographic out there who think that these might be causes, it was just a lot to deal with. Right. But uh, but it was still a very, very uh, confusing confrontation on how ancestral culture in India is severely abused and misunderstood. For me personally, I mean, I, mean, I can only speak for myself. Yeah. So uh, is there anything you'd like to share with us on, with this regard? Apart from the fact that, you know, caste, the caste system and the way it's been abused is definitely one of the driving forces behind this confusion yeah i mean of course there is uh, also uh, the 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 fact that a lot of this uh, tradition has been appropriated by the west right there's also right. that okay tell us more about that what's going on there what's what you, how, how, how did that happen i'm a little hazy on that part too yeah well that's the ironic bit of it that uh, you know indians we always need a stamp of approval from the west right yeah validation yeah validation yeah on things that actually kind of belongs to us or or it actually originated in india is a prime example is probably yoga oh right? fuck it i was you read uh, my mind man i was just about to say <laughs> there's a generation of indians growing up who literally do not know yoga comes from india they think it's from la yeah it's probably because sting and madonna started doing it and that's when that's when indians got you were open to the idea of yoga but it so the fact that it started here, it was always here, right? But we we only started doing it when we saw these celebrities in Hollywood start doing it. And it is the same with most things, sadly. You know, we always need a stamp of approval from the West, and only then we accept things. And uh, it's, and uh, it's one of the major reasons, uh, main reasons why I moved also from to from India here but that's a that's a story that we can discuss later but uh, about the appropriation is that the designs uh, are so beautiful and and there's so much of it that uh, and and india being indians we are so blind towards its beauty uh, yeah. that we have kind of ignored them for so long yeah. but uh, people who have been traveling to india from other countries they they saw the promise in these designs, and a lot of, a uh, lot of them, uh, kind of like copied these designs, are, are copying these designs and tattooing them on their clients, without informing them where these designs actually come from. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and a part of it might be that they themselves don't know. Maybe they are also copying it from like the internet or something like that. So maybe they haven't done the research and maybe they are not aware of where the designs come from themselves, which mm-hmm. is, a, it, which could be a fair explanation, but a lot of them do know and they, they still uh, prefer not to tell their clients or, or, or tell everyone else when they're posting these uh, tattoos where these designs come from. Uh, maybe because they don't want other tattooers to take inspiration from the source or reach the source of the designs. And mm-hmm. I think that is a bit unfair when you are when you're taking uh, something from you know from these tribes, which in most cases are very 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 poor people. Yeah. And uh, the least you can do is at least acknowledge. Yeah, it's been an issue for a few generations now, right? I mean, uh, I think the two of us round about, grew up, even pre-internet, especially pre-internet, we grew up with uh, uh, a lot of peer, people from the West who uh, who had the means to travel to a country as far away from their own, like India. And, you know, you, it's it's perfect. It's perfectly normal for. Uh, um, people from the West to take photographs and, you know, um, accumulate as much information as they can about a country and take it back home. Whereas most, like the larger demographic of a country like India, number one, does, even though it's changing, doesn't even have the means to travel to that extent. And even mm-hmm. if they did, I mean, you can't just click some random dude on the street here in Europe, right? I mean... No, you, you can't. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's the kind of disparity that's rarely been addressed. I remember talking to a friend of mine, a, a Malaysian photographer who you know used to get uh, a Philippine. Sorry, not Malaysian. My bad. Uh, from Manila, from Philippines, mm-hmm. um, who used to get pretty worked up about this, uh, about how uh, you know Europeans or you know Americans or you know most. First world Western citizens get to travel mm-hmm. all over the place and f- photograph all they want. Whereas when he, as you know, as an obvious uh, foreigner in Europe, you know, always needs to take care of thirty permits before he's allowed to take some random shot on the street of some person or something. I'm obviously exaggerating a little. Yeah, um, but you know, the first world exists because there's a third world supporting it. Very true. People forget that. Yeah, where would the first world be if there was no third world? Very true, uh, very true. I think the so, the reperco- the implications of the same, you know, are just about being realized, uh, or if even that's actually the jury's on the out on that. Because, like you'd once mentioned, we have amnesic memories, which is a paradox. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's all it's all nice, and you know, it, it's it's nice to demand equality. And I think everyone should demand equality as well. But you have to realize that are you are is everyone ready to pay the price of such uh, of equality? Right. Because what does it really mean? Yeah. What does it equality really mean? Does it means that a, a that a child in Bangladesh does not have to work for fifty fifty cents a, a day to you know in a sweatshop to make mm. t-shirts so that you can buy them for ten euros in in Germany? Exactly. That is what equality really means. Yeah. Are you ready to pay 100 euros for a t-shirt? When that, one, once you're ready to pay 100 euros for a t-shirt, then you can wear the t-shirt and demand equality. Yes, very true. 
I, I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also equality, uh, you know, who gets to define equality? At the end of the day, from a global point of view, it's a very, it's a minority of people who are even out there, you know, writing down the law and what that even means, whereas the majority right. of the world, you know, <laughs> are pretty oblivious to it in the first place. But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, that could be an entire episode on its own, of course, but, you know, to <laughs> yeah, try and, uh, no, but, but your art, I mean, the topic you were referring to though, you know, there's a deep connection there. So tell us more. So, uh, the appropriation, um, so the combination of, uh, the, the homegrown bias against tattooing, um, combined uh, and the cultural appropriation, that it's been subjected to in addition from some of our Western counterparts, what does that eventually result in? Uh, it's an interesting mix. Um, the one positive that comes out of it is uh, the quality of tattooing goes up, right? Huh. Uh, yeah, right. The people who are who are copying these designs, most of them are doing a very damn good job of it. They're very, very capable tattooers. Right. So Good craftsmen. Good, good craftsmen. So what happens in the future is that if people f from these countries, from India or Asia, they want to take up their ancestral or their cultural tattooing, they would have a lot of good tattoos to look at, mm. which might necessarily not be not, not done by their own people, but technically they're very good tattoos, yeah. right? Yeah. So that that's a positive that you could look that we can look forward to. Yeah. Uh, the negative is basically the appropriation of, of of the designs itself is negative. So you could have, and this I can I can speak from my own experience. I was in a convention in Switzerland, and uh, there was this tattooer who came up to my booth, and we just we we're just talking about tattooing in general, and then I noticed that he has a. Uh, a column pattern. A column is a is a kind of like a rangoli design from that comes from South India. That, yeah. uh, generally, women draw it on the ground, very similar to Alpuna in mm -hmm. West Bengal, mm -hmm. but also has religious uh, implications, right? Um, so he had one of these designs tattooed on his throat, right, right on his throat, right. Hmm. So I noticed that it was a very bold tattoo, very well done too. And uh, so, of course, I asked him, like, wow, man, that's, I told him this is a very good tattoo and uh, uh, it's a nice column pattern. And I immediately realized that he did not know what column was, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and that made me, like, kind of think about it that, okay, you're ready to put a design on your throat, right, for everyone yeah. to see, but you don't know where that comes from. Yeah, I think you know? there's there's uh, there's I mean that is a very very. I mean th that shows a bit of disdain for yeah. uh, for a culture. Yes, and that, also that we, we, and we're not talking about some random sticker you bought to put on a diary, you know, on your gratitude journal or something. We're talking about like a commitment to, for life to your skin, you know, right. the biggest part of your body, you know, and your you know you're having that imprinted on your own body on your skin and you're having something yeah. imprinted which you don't even know shit about that kind of says it all I mean, yeah and it, it shows a kind of like a 
a disrespectful, disdainful attitude towards the culture, which I have not really seen in case of like, let's say a Japanese design or some Maori design. Right, you could not get away with something like that. Interesting. If you if you have a koi fish, if you have a dragon, you would probably know what it means, right? Uh, you know, even when I was getting tattooed, I have a I have a Maori tattoo uh, on my shoulders, and it's done by uh, uh, a Maori uh, tattooer, and he explained to me. Uh, what it means, what each pattern means, and stuff like that. Why he was putting it there? What was the relationship between each each pattern interacting with each other? Uh, you know, and um, and that I did not see in this, and that made me realize that why is it so easy for you to not give a shit about the designs uh, that you have taken from my country? Yeah. You That's know? white and privilege. It is. Yeah. It is. So I, I mean, I, it is. Uh, yeah, so that that kind of motivated me towards doing something about it. Well, and, uh, quick question: yeah, Why do you think in. why do you think people can't get away with it uh, with countries like Japan or uh, New Zealand? Well, because they are much more. Um, firstly, they have taken pride in their culture. Okay. First, this is the first thing, right? They yeah. they wear their own. They promote and they wear their own culture. Very proud. Uh, and they, they, they would not. I mean, I have seen uh, and heard stories about uh, Maori people confronting uh, foreigners, like Western people, who were doing Maori designs in a convention, mm. kind of like you know. And they had to kind of apologize to them for not, but doing, taking from their culture without giving due respect, right? And yeah, and uh, the same with Japanese. I mean, if someone is doing Japanese tattoos and does not really has not spent enough time doing the doing research about what each and every element and uh, means, then no one would take them seriously. That would not be Japanese tattooing. Then it would just be a nice tattoo, but mm-hmm. it would not be a Japanese tattoo. Uh, that kind of respect has to be, they have promoted it that way. They have promoted their culture that way. So it, it's respected. So in, um, with regards to the Indian tattooing tradition or uh, culture, it's kind of like a two-way street. It, we also make it easy to appropriate the culture. Is the, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. We, can't, we can't just put the, we can't, just put the blame on everything on no no it's it's all uh, it never is there's always two sides to the story it's the same with music too i mean uh, yeah unfortunately i mean i had a guest on just last week um, a friend of mine bernard schimpelsberger who's the first uh, european to have like an official lineage to a gharana with the you know he did the whole thing oh and, wow and uh Fortunately or unfortunately, he's the first drummer who actually knows how to like literally translate uh, tablas to the drums, and he's also put in the effort. He designed his own bass drum, which sounds like a baya. And uh, oh, oh. and one could argue if an Indian went and you know there are a lot of Indians, uh, and I'm not referring to uh, like Indian Americans or uh, you know Indian Europeans, but like literally Indians who grew up all their lives in India. Uh, not mm. diaspora, who've gone to the West and studied their forms of art and didn't receive the same level of recognition someone like 
Bernie did, for example. There is mm. that point, and uh, I'm not quite sure exactly where that comes from. But fact of the matter is, on the other hand, he's the guy who left Austria at 15, went to India, just, you know, mm. live with his, uh, or 18, I can't really remember, and put in the work. He also put mm. in a level of work a lot of others aren't often willing to do. But then again, there's also that privileged background, you know, you know, he also exactly. this is a, it's <laughs> yeah. a very tricky thing. Like, yeah. I mean, how many 15 year olds from India can travel to, let's say, exactly. Germany to yeah. study? Very you few. Know, very music, few. So, so, it's, so it's a very tricky situation. I'm on the fence. I mean, I'm on the fence. Yeah, yeah I imagine you would be because you are yeah. kind of, uh, it's uh, exactly in between. Exactly in between. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a tricky thing and there's no easy way to explain it or, or or resolve it. I don't even know if there's something to be resolved, but it's just that I think uh, we should definitely, you know, try and reduce the amount of discrimination we have in amongst ourselves. And, and if we cannot respect ourselves, then we have no right to expect that kind of respect from anyone else too. True. This uh, um, divide and conquer thing, it's something we still haven't really wrapped our heads around. And uh, and I'm not saying the West is out to conquer us. That's not it. I think we are kind of fucking ourselves up too in a lot of ways. You know, it's, yeah, um, yeah. It's a I mean, there street. are so many... There are so many reasons for that too. I mean, and we can we could go there in, in detail. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, there are many reasons. It's no, a very complex situation. It's, it's very, very complex. So it's better we. Uh, I should. Uh, I'm probably not even qualified enough to go there yet. So let's get back to your work again. Mm, you said at some point that uh, moving to Europe was the more logical thing for you to do. Uh, yeah. Tell us more about that. How did one? How did that happen? Actually, this is the point where I should tell my audience my regular story because I usually start off with you know how I meet my podcast guests, and uh, <laughs> this is one thing I want to butt in for a minute and just kind of tell them. So um, uh, we both met, um, even though we're bo- both born in the same city, we actually met in Mannheim here in Germany, uh, where which is our like professional base currently. Uh, and I was at a cafe talking to one of my barista friends who uh, said, oh, I just got tattooed by someone and he's so, he's so lovely. And, oh, hang on, didn't you say you were from Calcutta or you were born there? Because I think that's where he's from. And she showed me the tattoo. I think it was a large one. It was uh, on her um, on her ribs, I think. Yeah. yeah. A, a flamingo. And yeah. I was like, oh, really? What's his name? And... Uh, you know, I grabbed my coffee and uh, started looking for you on Facebook, found you on Facebook, figured out, oh, we have a few common friends as well. And then I, you know, p- put my thumb on the ad friend icon and I look up and you're literally walking in front of me. <laughs> it's yeah, like synchronicity at its strongest. Like, hang on, you're Obi and you're like, yeah, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, I'm Obi. I mean, I mean, why do you know this? And, you know, it's like, yeah, I just literally added you on uh, on Facebook. I, I hear you're from Calcutta and the tattoo artist and everything. And you've tattooed some of my friends in uh, India as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Out. And, and they have uh, spoken, spoken to me about you when I was tattooing them. Really? That is so yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. 
That is yeah. uh, that is really weird. Because I was supposed to travel uh, to Mannheim right. Uh, right after I had tattooed them, like a, maybe like a week after that. So I was telling them, I was talking to them about it. Like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna be yeah out of town for a while. I'm gonna travel to Mannheim, and they was like, ah, oh, we have a we have a friend of ours who lives in Mannheim, the musician. That uh, is yeah, crazy. <laughs> that crazy is so small. crazy, man. Yeah. And I mean, and it's not Berlin or Cologne; it's Mannheim. It's like it's only, Mannheim, it's exactly. Still Germany's best kept secret, um, right? Um, it's not even Stuttgart. It's not even Stuttgart. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. We're probably officially the two only. No, actually, uh, there are a couple others now, but still, like one of the first Indian artists or or Indian diasporic artists to have had a base here. Uh, so how did that happen in your case? Well, how, why Mannheim? Well, because um, well, uh, like I said, I was traveling to I was traveling to Nepal, right? And and by this time, I think this was also like my fourth time in the Nepal convention. So by this time, I had already kind of uh, built, I was building a reputation for myself. Like uh, my work was getting noticed. It was uh, getting published a lot and. Uh, it, it looked fresh. It looked new, and uh, so I was I was offered uh, a guest spot. I was getting some offers for to do guest spots in Europe, uh, in Germany, and uh, some in Norway, some in Sweden, and uh, so I took I took uh, that up just to. I mean, I had really no expectations whatsoever from. Uh, from the trip, I was going to travel to Germany anyway, to Europe anyway, and I thought I thought maybe I would take this opportunity to see if anyone would like to get tattooed by me here while I'm here. Mm-hmm. So I kind of uh, did a guest spot in Germany in a studio in Germany in Mannheim, and one in uh, Norway in a small town called Christiansand, mm-hmm. and um, and both of them worked very well. Uh, surprisingly, uh, a lot of people wanted to get tattooed. Uh, I had no and uh, yeah and um, the designs i was making at that point of time uh, it just seemed like it appealed to the european clients uh, and the sensibility a lot more than the indian ones it was just a little bit it was a little ahead of its time for india at that point of time because no one was getting those designs tattooed to ah, be honest yeah, so i had this book of full of designs but i had hardly tattooed them in india but i when i was traveling to europe i was tattooing like a lot of those designs mm. so it kind of like gave me a sign that okay if i had to if i had to do more of what i really want to do I would uh, need to move base to a place where people want to get this kind of designs done. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was also the exactly the same time where um, I was uh, kind of considering opening my own studio in, in Calcutta, mm-hmm. right? So I was also looking for, I had also seen a few places. I didn't like anything, but like I was, I was looking at some places to open a studio. And that is when I got a offer from a, from the studio in Germany to maybe if I would be interested in moving here as a as a permanent artist. And uh, so I thought to myself that yeah, this is something that I could try out. If it doesn't work, I can always come back to Calcutta and open my own studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I had met my uh, my girlfriend, my partner Shanine, 
uh, while during my guest spots in uh, in Germany. So that also, of course, uh, added to the made it easier for me to take the decision. Who's also uh, your um, business partner and student as well now, right? Yeah, that's and, correct. And overall badass. So shout out to Janine, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's pretty badass. That's yeah. true. She was a she was a body modification artist for like 16 years, and then uh, she learned tattooing under me, and she's still learning tattooing under me. And, and yeah, she's doing pretty well. And we are business partners. We own the studio together. Awesome, and a beautiful studio at that. That's where I got tattooed by you as well. Thanks a lot. I tried our best. Uh, we'll keep going though. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I moved here and. Uh, yeah, the rest pretty much is history. I mean, I, I I did, I had a contract. I was under a contract with the studio and I, it was a three-year contract, which I finished. And uh, I actually worked there for three and a half years. And then uh, I think it was it was time, both me and Janine, we realized it was time for us to move on, do something, yeah, move on and do something on our own, create our own space where we can, we can do things our own way, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what I. That's what we did, and that's how Mantra Tattoo Atelier uh, happened. It's been a year now, or a little more than a year now that we. And it's doing really open. well, in spite of starting right before Corona. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Thankfully, yeah. Of course, Corona has has had its effects, but uh, yeah. But we're happy that it was not that intense for us. Uh, th- mainly thanks to our clients who, uh, you know, really kind of helped us through it. You know, a lot of them got bought like uh, uh, gift cards for the future during the COVID. So, awesome. uh, you know, to support us and it was uh, really lovely. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, why do you think your clients uh, choose you? Who are your clients and why do they choose you to be tattooed, to be their artist? Um, I would say 85% of my clients, probably more, but 85% of my clients are women. Yes. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's probably because the way I draw and design, it's it's inspired by the feminine en- energy, mm-hmm. as we as we know it. Probably it has. I, I grew up around women. I mean, I was brought up by women mostly. I mean, the men were never really around. Yeah, not that. Yeah. Not because they were. Yeah, they were at work mostly. So I was brought up mostly by. My aunts, my mom, my aunt, my grandmothers, you know, all my all my cousins and sisters. I mean, sisters and cousins. Yeah. Uh, they're all uh, women. I mean, in fact, from my generation, I'm the only son in my family, really? which obviously has its uh, advantages. But yeah, <laughs> yes. But uh, so I was surrounded mostly, I was entirely by women all the time. So that definitely had an effect on the way I see things or or eventually draw them out you know uh i think i i have a theory about it like when i was uh my my mom my aunts they would always call me to select their saris like they would have someone before right before the puja who would come to the house to show them the new collection of saris that 
you know, they they want to sell. And they would always call me to select the ones that uh, for them. I can very well But, relate to that. I used to go shopping with my mom. She still likes having me uh, around when she goes shopping for clothes. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I think uh, that kind of uh, starts everything, right? You know, yeah. it gives you... Uh, very, very much so. I mean, I mean, at the time, I remember some of my dude friends would laugh at me for it. And I, I grew up reading my mom's, you know, Femina magazines and stuff. And I'd never even... I, I never actually grew up with the thought that that might be odd for... a Uh, boy mm. to do because I was never brought up that way I just read whatever I felt like and I happened yeah. to have a lot of women's cosmopolitan magazines and whatnot lying around so I read up on a lot of that shit um, but uh, yeah I mean art in itself I would say is a very feminine energy yeah I would say so yeah probably that's why it uh, resonates with uh, women more I mean my, my style of drawing or uh, tattooing That being um, said, your projects are really long term, like really intricate, really long term. Your favorite work is like full back pieces, and that takes a lot of patience and a lot and a high pain threshold. So mm-hmm. I can't help but wonder if that's another reason why women are probably because because yeah, yeah. men are basically wimps. Let's face it. Yeah, true. <laughs> like there's no <laughs> comparison true. between the pain threshold of a woman and a man. And it's no, d- different leagues. So uh, totally. you yeah. reckon that has something to do with it too? Uh, I can tell you this much that uh, uh, I've had, I've, I've done back pieces on, on men as well, mm-hmm. but women handle it way better. Like it's not even a it's not even a competition. It's no, not even yeah, no. it wouldn't even be fair. Yeah. They just handle sense. it way better. They uh, they just know how to conduct themselves way better when they are in pain or in any such of any such uncomfortable situations. And it it probably also is that the whole yin yang thing, you mm. know, like when there are two men in a room, there is this unspoken. uh form of like a like a competition almost like who like who wants to be the alpha in the room right, right. there's like a this very male energy of being so if if i'm tattooing in a, a guy his whole idea would be not to give in to the pain right he, his whole idea would be like to present a front a very brave front where well, he can take so much pain you know and uh, it often works against him it often works against uh, and the more you try to fight it the more the more it's going to take a hold of you uh, women generally understand this much better and they just know how to let go of it they just they're... know how to accept it their, their acceptance of pain uh, is is what i think helps them The Deal relationship with it. with it with it is also so much more intricate, so much more intimate. I mean, you know, women deals yeah, sure. with regular pain. I mean, exactly every exactly. single month. You know, at, at an interval where you know the kind of pain we will probably face. I don't know, a couple of times a year, even. You know, uh, yeah, not yeah. even that. I mean, imagine if you had that kind of pain every month. I mean, there'd be like there'd be a week long holiday every month. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, if we we are in charge of everything, men are yeah. in charge of everything. Imagine yeah. if we or had so to we think. every week, there would be a month, week, oh, week holiday every month. Yeah, pretty much. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, brother. Um, before we taper off, this we we set a new record. By the way, to to our episode is the longest till now. Oh really? Uh, yeah, yeah, and um, I think it's gonna make it uh, to we uh, just about. I, I thought of maybe doing two parts, um, but did we cover it all? Did we get your story out there, like most of it, or are there areas you still wanna address? I don't know. You're the host. You tell me. No, I, I'm the host, but this show's about the guest. That's true, but I I don't know. I mean, you tell me. I mean, we covered my my beginnings. Yeah, pretty much. The, right the, okay yeah no but one thing we have to talk about before we leave though is you have developed and uh, uh i'm inventing is probably not the right word in the case of the arts but you have developed a unique signature style of tattooing tell us more about that before we taper off yeah that's okay yeah that, yeah. that we talk about a little bit yeah so uh i call it the the bongo style yeah. which uh, bongo in in bengali means homeland Yes. Uh, that's pretty much what uh, is it, it's inspired from. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it, it's not it's inspired by a bunch of things, not just one one particular thing. It's inspired by Alpuna, Portuguese. Uh, it's inspired by uh, the Kaligad paintings, uh, works of uh, masters like Jamini Roy, Nandulal uh, Bosch, Gauri Devi. So for our non-Desi listeners, basically what you just listed was a lot of folk art from Bengal and a couple of really well-known historical Bengali artists. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. Like Anandulal Bosch and Gauri Devi were uh, also teachers at Vishwabharati. So under under, uh, Rabindranath Tagore. Right. which is one of like, India's premier art universities. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so uh, my, my style of drawing is, uh, and, and the designs are inspired by them, uh, or their work. And so what I try to do is bring a lot of these elements that feature in a lot of these drawings and art together to form like a, uh, like a motif, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be purely ornamental. Uh, it can also have uh, religious or spiritual connotations. Mm-hmm. Uh, often, I try to show either coexistence or or conflict, mm-hmm. because I think life happens somewhere in between. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, and that's uh, pretty much it. Usually. Um, Bigger, larger projects, uh, maybe full sleeves or full bags, is uh, because it, it just it just uh, looks better if it's on a bigger scale, mm. right? And um, yeah, and uh, it's been uh, it's a, I'm still in the process of uh, fine tuning the whole whole design process, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's getting uh, it's getting a little bit of. Uh, I would not say popularity, but I am getting a lot more requests for uh, doing that kind of work than uh, than before. So I guess it's it's working. 
And it's probably the only or the first uh, contemporary Indian tattoo style that exists as of now. Beautiful. Bongo style people, check it out. Another um, project I do want to address is the uh, the revival project you're doing. um, Yeah. Which uh, which I've had the honor of being was that the second the second person to be tattooed second person second, that's correct yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, tell us a little more about that what's that about yeah so it started off as a kind of like a pet project like a side project of mine um, so I have a friend uh, who's a friend is a French philo- uh, traveler and uh, anthropologists right stefan his name mm-hmm. is and he spent like five years traveling all around india visiting these tribes uh who have a very who have a tattoo tradition like these vanishing tattoo tribes basically and he's is uh, is painstakingly documented them photographed them and uh, uh he has come wrote a book about it uh, it's in French, though, but you can still... You, it's uh, available on Amazon. Beautiful. It's called India Under the Skin. Uh, yeah, you can you can look it up. And uh, so I met him during uh, his travels in India because he was also in the, in the convention, at one of the tattoo conventions. I met him there. And then I met him again in one of his uh, photograph exhibitions, which happened in Germany. And uh, we were just discussing about it. And then he showed me this book of old flash designs or old designs from all these tribes that he had photographed, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I had this idea that maybe I could modernize them, you know, and present them to the new tattoo, younger tattoo clients yes. as, as, as a, you know, a newer version of those those designs that already existed for existed for centuries right yeah. it kind of started off as that and i did that and uh, and uh, i realized a lot of people really started liking these designs including yourself and uh, i started tattooing them which uh, then brought me to the to the realization that maybe i should do something with it and not just stop at modernizing just few just this few designs that we had so i did some more research on it and i'm still doing research on it so uh and uh, that led me to this um this huge subject of indian tribal tattooing which is it's a massive project so now i'm also trying to modernize designs from many other tribes like central india uh gujarat rajasthan uh, some tribes in orissa madhya pradesh uh, spoken to some uh, um tribes in uh, nagaland who have given me their uh, permission to modernize some of their designs mm-hmm. also also trying to do something with uh, kolam designs and kolangal designs from south india i have a lot of i received a lot of in references from that area, from some of my older clients Beautiful. and some researchers from South India as well. So I'm trying to modernize those. Eventually, the plan is to compose a book, uh, which would be which would have uh, 
these modern versions of these ancient tattoo motifs from different parts of India, it would also not only tell which, uh, which it not only tell you which part or which tribe these designs belong to, but it would also have like a little bit of context, right? And that's the toughest part because so much of this design and the history is lost and it's really difficult to find like meanings or what the designs actually stood for. The real meanings, but uh, I'm being helped with uh, I'm being helped uh, by some researchers in this field. So I hope that soon we'll be able to compose a nice uh, little book with designs Beautiful. that belong to India, Indian tribes, basically. One last question with regards to this: If there was one common strain you could identify amidst all these diverse. Uh, visual cultures throughout the length and breadth of the subcontinent, what would it be? Mm -hmm. uh, one, many very important, there are two or three things which are very similar. Uh, one of them is protection. Mm. Uh, the feminine energy. Mm. The, the fact like the, 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 mainly the triangles, you know, like the, Upper triangle, upward-looking triangle means male. The downward-facing triangles means female. And you bring them together, it shows the union of male and female. Beautiful. And uh, uh, protection for symbols, feminine male and female symbols, uh, usually are the ones which are pretty similar. It's a, it's a very interesting topic because you see... Uh, designs which are very similar that appear in cultures which have no history of uh, contact with each other, yeah. but very similar designs appear in their uh, in their culture, which is a very interesting uh, fact. Yeah, like uh, we had, like you tattooed the monkey god onto my inner bicep, right? Right. Who is yeah. supposed to be the deity of uh, well, martial artists in uh, India. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whereas in uh, in Mayan culture, there's also a Mayan god, a uh, uh, monkey god, sorry, who is the deity for uh, all artists, like arts in general. Oh, is that right? Oh, okay. Yeah, and he looks pretty much identical to, you know, Hanuman. Uh, yeah, it's a very strange. Like, for example, there's so many, so many similarities between Greek gods and uh, hindu gods yeah? and goddesses yeah. Oh, yeah 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 that makes a lot of sense too actually so very like, very similar e e egyptian gods and yes. hindu gods are very similar yeah, and even in the tribal designs which predates some of these designs predates the the what do you call the uh, hindu or contemporary religious religions that we follow because they are tribe tribals tribals so they're probably older than that yeah. even there the designs that appear are very similar like there's a lot of similarities in the designs uh, that the uh, maoris have to the, the designs that the naga naga people in yeah. from nagaland so i know the exactly they what have. you mean that's that's actually yeah. been the element that's always attracted me the most towards visual Arts and tattooing yeah. in general. That's kind of what I was. Um, that's the reason I felt so. I knew that the revival uh, movement you're doing now. That's the one I want to be tattooed by because it. Uh, it was not just the connection to ancestry, but also there was something universally symmetric about the entire vibration, which really appealed. That's to me. true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it says India, but it. You know, it. 
it's not i mean it's not it doesn't carry the I mean, cultural idiosyncrasies of it yeah i mean india is just a it's a geographical name basically very right very true very true so and uh, i mean a bird does not know where india starts and uh, let's say pakistan begins not for at them all. it's the same things <laughs> so yeah. i think those de- these designs predates the idea of uh, nations and states yeah. and all of that oh absolutely i mean personally i don't even consider them necessarily like separate like for me it's the same thing like india pakistan i mean no even though that's probably a a politically controversial topic in today's age yeah. but, you know, but from Should an artistic point well, I think we've crossed that line for a while <laughs> we've crossed that line already yeah. I mean I thought about it the moment I said Pakistan I was like ah yeah. or, even when, when, or even when you said Bangladeshi refugees you know my parents right. came as yeah. Bangladeshi like, refugees okay. too so we, I yeah. think we're past that point um, anyways but like from I mean I wasn't even referring to the Indian subcontinent but I think like I see at least to my eyes I see connections between uh, what I call shamanic cultures uh, in exactly, ancient yeah. times uh, yeah pagan 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 cultures. Shaman, exactly that's that's where I'm going from which yeah. is with like uh, I'd like to come to my last like uh, question um like uh, tapasya uh, is a reference to that sacred fire and again i personally i don't necessarily refer to the hindu ritual of it all but but generally fire as a sacred uh, uh, element if uh, you would like to throw something into that fire on this journey of yours what would it be to get rid of it or Either to way. get rid of something. Either way, it's. I think it's open to interpretation. If if you were in front of a sacred fire and you wanted mm-hmm. to burn something away, what would it be? My laziness. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> You're the least lazy person in town. I know. Always working. But my okay, father, I'll take. My father it. would disagree with you, but uh, well, that's what <laughs> fathers are there for. Yes, um, that's what they're there for. Yeah, true. Well, uh, where can we find you? Oh, in London, Basu. Online. Online, you could uh, find me on Instagram. That's probably the best place. Yeah. Uh, uh, I go by ob one point We're gonna have 1. all 0. the all the links on the episode notes anyway. Uh, right. So don't bother and getting and the I'm details. I'm also on Facebook. Gotcha. I'm also on Facebook. I have a website. Uh, it's uh, www ob1art.com gotcha. and uh, the studio website will be up in a few days you're still working on it and for potential but, clients who would like to get tattooed by you how's the what's the best way to go about it just a mail or instagram just like uh, yeah instagram is probably the best way to do it you could also write to me on facebook you could also email me uh, every, all the information is available on my website or on instagram awesome. so yeah i think okay. instagram is the easiest uh, social media platform right now okay. well we are officially into the longest episode of Tapasya Loading ever we've crossed two hours yes we made it and we uh, made it. Uh, I'm not surprised uh, and, uh, <laughs> it was worth it I enjoyed every minute thanks for coming on brother thanks for having it's been uh, an honor to to have you on It's uh, I'm honored to have you as a friend and colleague and uh, have you around uh, close by it's pretty much my only uh, a Bengali friend here around these parts. Uh, yeah, thanks. Th- uh, that didn't come out thanks. right, but you know, I probably would edit, <laughs> edit that part out too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thanks. but I also wanted to mention yeah. that uh, that uh, it was 
it means it meant a lot to me when your uh, when your parents came to the opening of the studio. Oh, thanks, man. Because uh, you know, as as our generation, it's like for me, it it means a lot more to be accepted by a generation which is not of our own. You know, yeah, that comes before you. us. Yeah. Because that is the, like the one of the toughest things to do. Yes. And the fact that uh, your parents came and they had a nice time in the opening of the studio, it meant a lot. It also meant that there was someone from my home who was there to represent it, even if it was not my own. Uh, they were not my own parents, but which I would have obviously loved to have them over, but obviously I couldn't. But the fact that there was someone from that generation uh, present at the, at the opening of my studio means means a lot to me too. Cheers, brother. I appreciate that. I sincerely appreciate that. They were very happy to be there too. They came straight from the airport. And, yeah, uh, yes. and yeah, I, I love them for that too because, you know, my parents are both crazy fuckers and uh, they they like that. They'll do that. They'll go to a tattoo opening studio straight from the airport even though they have no clue what it's about. And, <laughs> and, and they were very happy for you, for your success as well. So uh, Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, and, thanks a lot. Yeah. FYI, I'm going to stop recording. Gratitude from the bottom of my heart for listening to the very end. Please consider taking a minute to subscribe to our show so you know when the next episode is out. This is a labor of love, one I hope snowballs into one that's sustainable in its attempt to support independent thought and authentic relating. And having you as a regular member of our audience is what makes that a realistic prospect. Much love. Talk soon. Just another voice out